five nine in the fan bandana spring gunning. See, we kind of just mentioned it peripherally, but you got a couple of Leaf players on Team yeah. Canada for the World Juniors. Easton Cowan and Fraser Minton are the first Leafs prospects on Canada's roster since Ian Scott. Remember him? Well, oh, I yeah. think officially Fondly. retired, right? Like he had many, many injury, but yeah, the goalie was on the team in 2019. Uh, Mitch Marner and Travis Dermott were the last skaters in 2016. I think Fraser Minton makes a whole lot of sense. Of course, spent time in the National Hockey League already this season. He's been bounced, bounced around the dub uh, because he's a winning player and, mm -hmm. and uh, now he's in, what, Saskatoon? Yep. Uh, not in Kamloops look at, anymore. Look at you up on your Western Hockey League trades. I'm so proud of you, uh, But he's 19, right? Like, this is a guy that's, yeah. Yeah, his time. Uh, it's his time to be on this team, and he's going to play maybe an elevated role. Easton Cowens is 18, mm -hmm. and this is a guy that kind of emerged on the scene at the end of the junior season last year. Yep. Now he's on pace for 100 points in London. This year was not even on the preliminary roster for, like, the the the, the summer camp that mm -hmm. they had in preparation for this tournament. He makes the team, and he's not likely to play much of a role on it, but mm -hmm. this is a guy that was a surprise when the Leafs selected him in the first round at 28th overall in this past draft, and all of a sudden he's on the Canadian World Junior team at 18 years old. Like, where is his status now amongst Leaf prospects? Yeah, it's got to be sky high, right? I mean, if Minton is your your gold star for, for the Leafs prospects, it's like, you know, I know there's some other guys like your Topi Niemelas and those type of guys poking around. But yeah, Minton <laughs> and Cowan are, are one and two in terms of the chips you you have available. The other interesting thing about this team, and again, you know, I, I, I have the bug of World Juniors now, is that he's going to have a chance. Have it bug, seems like, like yeah, I know you're, you're slowly dying here, uh, but Easton, Easton Cowan with this team, I think there's one guy returning from last year. It's like, it, there feels like a lot of room for them to have changes in roles. Like, yeah, he's going to start as a 13th forward or mm -hmm. something like that. No guarantee. He ends there. Can't wait. Exciting. Yeah. It, and it uh, starts as it always does on boxing day. Oh, so good. All right. Um, Joy Otani is going to take to a microphone or at least his translator will. Uh, later today at uh, 6 o'clock Pacific time uh, to be introduced, or sorry, 3 o'clock Pacific time uh, to be introduced as the newest member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Let's talk to David Sampson, former MLB executive, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Good morning, David. Thanks for doing this. Uh, good morning. How you doing? Doing all right. I, 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 I don't want to look too far in our rearview mirror, but I do have to ask you, Going back to last Friday and everything that happened in this market and, and how excited we were for the possibility of Shohei Otani. You understanding the inner workings of these types of negotiations. Did you ever think Shohei Otani was coming to Toronto? I did not. And I actually did a show with you all uh, where I prepared you for the likely event that he would not be coming to Toronto. I felt as though there were myriad reasons, not the least of which was when he would come to Toronto, it's more than just him deciding to move to Canada. He's responsible for all of the people, all his family, all of the media who follows him from Japan, what that would mean for them and their families. Uh, I think that there was a lot really there. And I think that Toronto may have had the same offer. We saw that the Giants certainly did. And I think there was no doubt he was going to stay in Southern California. I had predicted on nothing personal that he was actually going to stay with the Angels because I had thought that from a respect standpoint, he wouldn't want to switch. It's like going from the Mets to the Yankees. But I thought he, him being in Southern California is really where he did want to be. So I'm sorry for Toronto. However, 
I think at the end of the day, it's better for the Blue Jays, not worse. Yeah, is it just, I mean, just to expand on that thought, is it simply that it's just you're you're giving all this money to a guy who's a DH and kind of gums up the, the lineup? Is that kind of the thought, or is there, there more to it there, uh, David? No, I think it's when you look at what your allocation is. Even if you've deferred 68 out of the 70 million, you're paying a player a tremendous amount of money, and depending on where your payroll is going to go, mm. you have to look at what percentage of your payroll that player is going to be. And the responsibility is not just for now, but it's for 10 years from now because 10 years comes fast. I remember the 2013 and 14 season like it was yesterday, and that's 10 years ago. And so 10 years from now, 2034, we could say, well, the world is going to end. There's going to be climate change and sea level rise. There won't be baseball. Well, okay. Mm. But on the possibility that there is, the way there is today, when we said the same thing, on the off chance, that we're still doing a show at 7 a.m. 10 years from now, uh-huh. you're paying $68 million to a player who's not playing. And that is not good for business. While it's exciting to pay him $2 million this year, uh, that sort of false sense of kick the can into the future, the future comes fast. In terms of the player, uh, you guys could have used a bat like that in the lineup, but there are 29 teams who could have used a bat like that in the lineup. And Otani has zero playoff wins. Mm-hmm. So it's not as though that you're missing out on someone who wins a championship every year single-handedly the way, you know, bringing Kawhi to the, to the Raptors did. It's just a different sport. There's not one player who can directly correlate to a World Series ring the way you can in basketball. It would have been a cultural, uh, cultural uh, historic moment, though, uh, north of the border here, uh, David. Yeah, not just in Toronto, but it feels like the the entire country of, of sports fans, and it would have broken down barriers um, between sports and, and news here. Uh, but that's then. This is now. Um, but, yeah, as far as the negotiations that this team had with Shohei Otani and I'm sure there was some level of interest, and, like, he did physically travel to the spring training complex in Dunedin, but, like, when there is a, a doubt or, or you're, you're, you're trying to parse what exactly is the, the realistic chances of, of you landing a free agent, like, does a front office ever go into a negotiation with a free agent understanding that this is, like, oh, maybe maybe we're being played here. Like, maybe we are just being used as as leverage for for yet an, another team and th- this player already has his mind made up like does that ever enter the 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 thought process of of the executives negotiating a, a deal say with the blue jays and Shohei otani well now, now you're talking my language because my it. middle name is is cynical so i i approach free agent negotiations pretty simply with the agent which is let's skip all of the parts where we show you our spring training site, where we show you our school system, where we show you our minor league system, where we tell you how great a city we are and how great a team we are and what great people we are. And let's talk Turkey. Yeah. Is there a number that we can say to you where you leave this meeting saying, okay, we're going to have a deal. And that doesn't happen often. I thought I had that with Albert Pujols in 2012 where I left the agent's room. Uh, funny little side story, his agent is, was Dan Lozano, and I actually fell asleep on Dan Lozano's couch in the suite because we had a deal with Pujols, and I didn't want to move until it was signed, and he was speaking to his wife, and I stayed with the agent and passed out on the agent's couch and then woke up to Artie Moreno 
signing Albert Pujols. Uh, and should have stayed away. Out, you needed more coffee. There's no question. I think about that every day. That what what could I have done differently in the middle of the night to stop the Angels from getting him? And there were things going on that I couldn't avoid, which is the Angels were going to bid more money than we were, and the player and his wife did not want to be in Miami. They wanted to be in California. And I thought that I was very honest by saying, at this number, we were at like $201 million, Do we have a deal? And until it's signed, you don't know. When it comes to a free agent like Otani, you're dealing with the biggest free agent of all time. And the question we would ask ourselves, is it worth it to have loved and then lost? Because our fan base is going through what you're going through right now. Mm-hmm. The Royals fan base isn't having this conversation. No. The Marlins, the Guardians, there's, there's 25 fan bases who are not feeling this way. So as a fan, do you want to be in on these things? even if it doesn't work, or would you rather not be? That's the question you all have to ask yourselves. Yeah, so let's talk about the messaging part of it, right? Like, we heard some of that from the Giants' perspective the other day. You know, at some point in time, the Blue Jays will make another baseball move. It seems like it's never going to come, but eventually they will sign a free agent, and guess what? Uh, They're going to want to take questions about it and talk about that, but a lot of people are going to want to still have questions, have answers about what exactly happened with Otani there. How do you think they should go about kind of managing the the messaging of this and just the expectations, given, like you said, the, the crestfall that it is for everybody inside the building, for sure, but, you know, tenfold for, for the fans, I'd think. Yeah, if I'm in front of the media and talking to my fan base at a press conference announcing let's just say Cody Bellinger, or yeah. let's say somebody. It's not like the Blue Jays don't sign free agents. You guys sign free agents and have great players all the time. And if I'm asked the question about Otani, I say very simply, it would be irresponsible of our ownership group, who is so supportive of what we do, to not have kicked the tires on a player like Shohei Otani. We went into the conversations understanding that it was likely he was going to stay in Southern California. By the way, side note, whether that's true or not, I'm still saying it to the public. So it is likely that he was going to stay in Southern California, but we wanted to go through the process to give ourselves every opportunity to sign Shohei Otani. That said, we always viewed the player next to me, pretend it's Cody Bellinger, Mm. as someone who we wanted on this team. We don't view this as a pivot to a lesser player. We don't view this as a pivot to desperation. We view this as accomplishing our off-season goal of making this team better and bringing a championship to Toronto. Again, not knowing the details, the inner workings of what went down over the last week or so with Shohei Otani, do you think it's possible that this Blue Jays front office is is super angry at, at the way this went down and maybe specifically at his agency and CAA. And I'm talking specifically about maybe or maybe not. And seems probably not that they were involved in the, the, the flight that departed um, Anaheim early Friday and was headed towards Toronto. But like, yeah, the leaning into it and, and, and the, the potential using of the Blue Jays as, as a piece of leverage. Do you think that there is animosity between the Blue Jays and CAA? All 30 teams have both used and been used. So it would be incredibly inconsistent for a front office as experienced and knowledgeable as your front office to be angry 
because there was a leverage play. Uh, that's a Tuesday in negotiations. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, I do. It's just, yeah. It, it And maybe this is, again, not intentional, but it just played out this way. It just felt like, boy, Blue Jays fans' emotions got, got stuck in this thing, and, uh, and they were... Uh, they were um, unfairly treated throughout the process here, and 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 it's it's going to be a while before uh, most of them can get back to thinking about the baseball part of this team. But that being said, you mentioned it. This is a well, team. Can yeah, I, go ahead. Can I interrupt you and ask you a question? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Unfairly treated, meaning that you were led to believe he was going to be a Blue Jay. Yeah, not to get too specific about individual reporters, but yeah, like the idea that. Well, it, it seems pretty apparent now in retrospect, and especially judging from the comments from Farhan Zaidi yesterday that the Giants were willing to go to the same place financially as the Dodgers were, and if they were willing to go to the same place financially as the Dodgers were, and you got to figure the Blue Jays were willing to go to the same place financially, especially if the reporting is correct from our own Ben Nicholson-Smith, who said the, basically the, that exact same thing, that this was, this was never going to be a Shohei Otani to the Blue Jays situation, but... There were, again, like not to get too specific here, um, but yeah, there's a report on Friday that he was coming to Toronto, David, and that yeah, that that there was, we we had already done it. Like people in their minds had already written the story of Shohei Otani in Toronto and what that meant culturally, and it's yeah, and it it it, it was more than a baseball story here uh, on that day, and and I get it. the six I hours get it. that we all spent on Twitter scor- scrolling through our feeds and refreshing it, and it's just it's it's a hard pivot, and it and it feels like. Yeah. Again, it's, 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 I guess maybe I the, the it, animosity man. is directed towards the insider, <laughs> the indus, insider industry of Major League Baseball. But yeah, it feels like it was, it was just a rough day for Blue Jays fans. Can you, can you sympathize? Yeah, of course. I, I both empathize and sympathize, but I also would mention that the Giants thought Aaron Judge was coming to San Francisco. Same deal. No, they have the same, was, they have the same reason to be upset. And so one of the things that you know in the game, is what free agency is. It is agents and the union making sure they extract the last dollar from the team that the player wants to play for. Some players don't care where they play. They just want the last dollar. Some players want to be in a certain place and then have to use other places to get the last dollar from Mm -hmm. the place they want to go. And it's not to say Otani's a bad man. This is not to say that the media person who thought that there was a flight going to Toronto and that a deal with Toronto is done in my 18 years, that happened dozens of times mm-hmm. where there were reports from media people that something was happening, and I was involved in it, and it was just so wrong, but we wanted it to be wrong. So we were a part of that. Mm. So we've been a part of leaking incorrect things to mislead media members and fans because it was in the best interest of our negotiation. Do I feel great about it? No but it was something from a business standpoint that we would do. If you're trying to finish up with the Dodgers or you're trying to finish up with the Yankees and you're Aaron Judge's agency, what better way to get Steinbrenner to move faster than to have Aaron Judge in San Francisco? I can't think of a better way. Now, the whole plane situation, uh, I don't want to comment on. That seems crazy to me that tracking planes and who's on a plane and who's not on a plane. But it is not out of the ordinary to have it out there that a player is going to sign with another team and then you call the Dodgers and say, hey, listen, you may, you've been dilly-dallying and we want to get this done right now. 
Yeah, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, something that doesn't, I'll be honest, is this this prevailing theory I've heard that this is so good for the game of baseball. I don't think it's bad for the game of baseball that Shohei Otani's a Dodger. Far from it. But correct me if I'm wrong, David. He's still going to play all these games at 10 o'clock and 10:30 Eastern. And yeah, it's like the Dodgers will probably play in games that matter later on in the season. But I still think, and you know, this isn't even a selfish Toronto thing. Forget if it was the Blue Jays involved. I still think it would be way better for the game of baseball if he was even even a Cub or something like that, as a, as opposed to a Dodger. Where where do you land at on that? So the broadcast deal that baseball has, the majority of the money is for October. The games of the week that happen on Saturdays on Fox, it's not a big part of the finances of that deal. And so the the real play here is having Otani on a team that's playing in October in a market that is a big rated market. And you know Toronto's not rated in the U.S. for these networks. So a rated network And L.A. is a dream for the networks and a dream for baseball in terms of maximizing revenue, broadcast revenue. So in that regard, I do believe that him on the Dodgers is better than him on the Marlins or the Blue Jays or the Cubs or any other team other than the Yankees would have been number one. The Dodgers are number two in terms of the best exposure. However, he was already on a Los Angeles team. Mm-hmm. that didn't ever play in October, and that was useless to Major League Baseball. So having him in October is the most critical part of this, and the Dodgers are right now in October every single year. It doesn't mean they're going to win a World Series, but certainly baseball is rooting for the Dodgers to make it to the World Series. Make no mistake that every team will be aware of that. Every umpire will be aware of it, every mm-hmm. player, every executive, that having the Dodgers in October uh, and deep into October is the number one goal of baseball. Say something nice about Toronto, David, before you end up on our enemies list, okay? Like uh, John well, Wait a minute. Oh, go hold ahead. on. Let okay. me be clear. I th- thanks for the opportunity. Yes. I love Toronto. <laughs> I wanted Otani on Toronto. Good. Because I've complimented Shapiro and your team and the signings you make, and I came on your show and said – I think your team on the field is better off without Shohei mm-hmm. because Rodgers right. is going to spend money to win games. And spreading the money out, I would always take two $35 million players instead of one $70 million player because it spreads my risk of injury and lack of performance. And the other thing I'll tell you, name for me players who come back from two Tommy Johns. Yeah. Nate Nathan Navaldi. That's it. I can't think of another. No, that's it. So – the amount of money you're paying for just a hitter is outrageous. Even when you present value it and say $46 million for 10 years for Otani as a designated hitter, where you are making your lineup less flexible, position players as they age need to become DHs, but now you're giving that position away for 10 years mm. because he doesn't play in the field. Okay. So All for right. me, it is, it is, it is going to be the best thing that ever happened to the Blue Jays. And what I'm hoping they don't do is, is react by overpaying someone else because when you're a good front office, you can get past not having Otani and you can put together a team that will win more games and have a chance for a ring 
and I believe Toronto will do that. All right, you can stay. All right, you 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 can come cover the Blue Jays in ten years when yeah, there uh, Miami is underwater, and yeah, the the Blue Jays are one of the remaining franchises in Major League Baseball. I thought there was just no Tani joke in terms of how long the contract was, but that's that one's good too. I <laughs> yeah. like that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Shohei Otani's making sixty eight million dollars in ten years, and yeah, it's the Blue Jays. He's like yeah. He, he wishes he was on the Blue Jays because they still exist as a Major League Baseball franchise. Anyways. Yeah, but imagine how good he'd be underwater. We've never even seen <laughs> no, him try. That's true. Uh, David, uh, always appreciate the time. <laughs> Thanks for this, buddy. Hey, have a great day. Take care. You too. David Sampson, former MLB executive, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. The emotion's still raw. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> You're fired up to listen to him uh, speak through an interpreter in an air. No, really. Not really. Can't say that that gets the old juices flowing. I digress. Perhaps we'll talk about that a little bit more later on this hour. But now, Brent, do you know what time it is? I, I have an inkling, but I'd like you to tell me. It's time for someone to chew on. That's what I thought. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Mm. Giannis. Let's do Giannis. Giannis. I have a story, like, I want you to set it up, but I have a, a gamer from last night that I need to read part of for this story, okay, so we're right. doing Giannis. Okay, Giannis and Tentacumpo uh, playing the Pacers for the first time since, oh, their incredible run at the in-season tournament, uh, ending in defeat in the final to the Lakers, who are raising a banner, I think, for the sole purpose of, like, people yelling about it on American Talking Head TV, and they've done a good job uh, with that. But anyways, Giannis and Tentacumpo and, and, and his Bucks playing the Pacers yesterday. They beat the Pacers. Giannis had a franchise-high, career-high 64 points. Incredible performance from mm-hmm. him. Um Pacers took the game ball. Yeah. <laughs> they absconded with it. They grabbed that thing before he had a chance to grab mm-hmm. it. Um, why? I'm not 100% sure. Oh, you you have a reason why. But I've yeah. done some okay, Go ahead. After the game, Giannis had hoped to commemorate the highest scoring game of his career by taking home the game ball. There was only one problem. The Pacers already grabbed the game ball to give it to rookie big man Oscar Shibwe for scoring the first NBA point of his career on a made free throw. <laughs> Honestly, he should get it. Giannis is he's going to have he yeah, has exactly. a title. Well, what? and also like he's you don't think he's going to score 65 one day? I don't know. It's I looked it up cuz I was wondering. I'm like, what's most LeBron's? 61. So, I don't know. 64 yeah, is entirely the, possible. I mean, we see it all the time now. Yeah. It feels like, yeah, there there's uh, absurd scoring yeah, I'm not, not going to just assume he's going to have a 65-point game. In his, let me put it this way. If you put the under at, at 63 and a half for mm. career high from this point forward, I am going to take the under on that with Giannis. I would take the over. Okay. When, when do they play the Hawks next? And, or like the Pacers. The Pacers are the perfect. Like they're probably going to play the Pacers again. Like yeah. uh, Teams are not exactly shoring up those defenses. And I think they like hilarious. to play with a lot of pace. I think it is hilarious that the Pacers are like this guy who is playing his first NBA game I in the concur. middle of December. We need him. I concur. I love it. I think it's what so a, funny. Yeah, that's great. Like, that's not a nothing. No. Like, that's like, what's more significant? That guy with his first well, I mean, NBA points or here's my, Giannis with 64? Here's my counter is that, you know. In a league where, like, you know, all peers, all great players are respected all across all leagues, of course, right? But in the NBA, like, those guys just carry more weight than anybody outside of great quarterbacks do in the yeah. in the NFL. I would have thought somebody on the Pacers would have been like, okay, just don't tell him. 
here, you can have it. And uh, this is totally yeah. the game ball, Oscar. This other. Well, apparently, that's what happened to Giannis. Giannis yeah. got a ball. He's like, I don't know. It's, yeah. Do I, you th- uh, oh, gee, I don't think I, it's a game ball. Feels like you picked the wrong guy to lie to. The guy who's happy to have just scored his first point or the guy who is screaming for blood, who is 6'11 and could probably rip off somebody's head if he wanted to. Yeah, I'm just mm. going to give him the game ball and lie to the guy who's sorry, Oscar. Lie to one of them, though. Yeah, well, again, they lied to the wrong guy. They tried to lie to Giannis. They said, <laughs> eh, take this one here. Yeah. And he's like, this isn't the game ball. I know. Yeah. It's hilarious. That is great. It's also just a great little thing of the NBA that you'll, you know, like you'll occasionally see this. You've heard stories about this of players standing there. No, no, I like this one. I like that one. They're quibbling about it. You would not like imagine in, in the NHL. I don't, I don't like this puck. puck, No, no, no. And it's like baseball's the exact opposite. It's like they're "Eh, get this out of here. I hate this. Mm -hmm. And we all know Tom Brady and his footballs, but yeah, he uh, likes a very specific, football but okay no, but there was nothing wrong with that i'm just saying he liked it a very certain he's talking way. about the deflator because he's, he's lost a weight. lot of weight man like wouldn't you love a co-worker that was so supportive of you i would yeah see tom brady you should goat. call me the deflator i should yeah i need to deflate I, first I, though i might i i, I <laughs> might yeah you do you do we both do <laughs> that's rude hey you said it i just agreed all right when we come back Yes, Shohei Otani will speak tonight, and we'll talk a little bit about what we expect from him. Only only if you bring it up. And then uh, Giannis is great. His Bucs team is good. Mm -hmm. Mm, But they're not an example of greatness, I don't think. What happened to greatness? Yeah, across all the North American pro sports, even golf. What happened to greatness? Are we in a unique era? Uh, that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's The Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Spring Gunning Sports at 590. True. Can't confirm. Cap Sports, you get what you get, okay? Mm-hmm. Boy, do I know. Tell me about it. Just been watching baseball like I'm the kid that, like, I've been watching this baseball offseason like I'm a kid with a broken leg mm. in a cast and everyone's in a pool having a party. Bart Simpson, basically. I, I, I guess it's cool that, like, the Arizona Coyotes feel that they're in it every once in a while and False. they're, like, $4 million below the salary cap. And Great. the talent level is spread out so thin that, yeah, they're they're not going to be in the doldrums for long. They'll bounce back mm-hmm. with the young talent that they have. Playoff spot. Sure. And in the NFL, it is great that there's always one team on the outside of the playoff picture the previous year that ends up winning a division next. Like there's, yeah, turnover. Yeah. And I will say the NFL is maybe the outlier sport when we're going to have this conversation mm-hmm. about Greatness. Um, yeah, do we do we live right now in an era of unprecedented lack of greatness? We, I, we've lived through some great, great dynastic runs. Yeah. Through my lifetime, through your lifetime. For sure. The Warriors mm-hmm. of recent vintage in the NBA. Um, certainly the Patriots, incredible yep. Tom Brady run for 20 years in the NFL, mm-hmm. the greatest of all time. 
I don't know, do you want to call the Lightning a dynastic run when they were making no, three but, cup finals but what in, a, in a row? What I'd say about the NHL part of it specifically is, okay, the Lightning, like, it's not dynastic, but you even go back just a, like a half generation before that where you have dueling cup finals of Penguins and Red Wings in back-to-back years. You could just kind of pencil in mm. one or two teams that were going to be there. There's always been that kind of gold standard team in the NHL. They don't always win, but there has always been a team that we kind of look at and say, you're those guys. And yeah, for a while it was the Bolts for sure. So do we live in this era where there there are no great teams anymore? Like in, in everything's cyclical. Yep. Right. Like maybe, and maybe the teams, some of the teams that are good now and could be great. Mm-hmm. will look back in 10 years and be like, boy, what an incredible great run that team had. Yep. But like right now, does it not feel like we're, And an unprecedented lack of greatness. Yeah, let's just kind of go sport by sport. The Chiefs, I think most people would hold them up as that team, but they're what are they eight and four, eight and five this this year, right right now. And but how many times during the course of the regular season, especially late in the Patriots dynastic run, did we say, "Oh, it's over now"? I think it was actually a Monday night game against the Chiefs in which we said it was over. The difference with the Patriots run was that the reason it was quote-unquote over was Tom Brady would always have his kind of slower start or midseason swoon, and then you would have the games late in the year where he just turned it on, and you go, oh, it's Brady. And again, they didn't have years where they were struggling in this regard, winning or losing this many games. I mean, when Tom Brady went out and missed the whole season, I think they lost five games that, that yeah, year. Yeah, they won 11 games Yeah, exactly. missed the playoffs. Exactly. Matt I, Castle. I remember it. it was my first year of university showing up uh, in a dorm room being a Patriots fan only to watch Tom Brady get crumpled. No, awesome. I remember it very, very well. Again, Chiefs game. But... Though you so you look at you look at that and yes this Chiefs team is great and I think we still all think there's very much a possibility that they are the AFC representative or win a Super Bowl but this is definitely not the great version of the Chiefs that we've we've seen in the past you go to the NBA and I think we all hold the Nuggets up as probably the best team in the sport right now but I don't think I'm going to be sitting there bouncing my my grandkids on my knee talking about the great Denver Nuggets of the early 2020s. You don't think like you don't think that's possible with them? It's possible, but it is far from what feels like a guarantee the way it did when the heat formed in Miami or when that Warriors one started and then it only added with Kevin Durant getting getting added to it. Like, you know, to, to the way you set this up. It's possible the Golden Knights and Nuggets both repeat and then this conversation proves moot. But I think it's far, far from a certainty. And, you know, I go specifically to the NBA. Maybe it's just the decade we had there where it was so set in stone of what the finals were going to be before the season even started that it's just very jarring. And I like it, but I'd be lying if I didn't miss having that, you know, 1A villain. No, you like it? I do I like that there with the NBA specifically, I like that there is a question. I like that the playoffs have a point before the conference finals. I mm. do like that. I hated the idea of, all right, wake me up in June when we watch the seven LeBron game series, the Warriors. which was amazing. Those mm. seven games or six or whatever we'd end up getting from it were always incredible. But it was just a sleepwalking zombie state to get to that point. And now it almost feels the opposite of, hey, this is really exciting. Who knows what's going to happen? And then you get to a final and, hey, like if you love the sport, you're locked in, you're excited for it. But it sometimes can feel a touch anticlimactic because of who's sitting there at the very end, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, I, I love greatness. I love having great teams. And I, I, I love having measuring stick games mm-hmm. during the course of a regular season. I, I like you know, feeling like 
I can watch a regular season game. I can watch an assembly of players and say, oh, that's history. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm watching history. Yeah. Like, I'm going to remember this because that was, hey, that was the 73 win Warriors team. Mm-hmm. And when they came to my town, I was like, oh, my God, it's yep. a traveling circus, mm-hmm. right? It's it's Jordan and the Bulls. It's it's something that transcends sports. No, I miss it. And it's the salary cap entirely that's that's ruined the thing. Um yeah, because it's not it's not an accident that the two sports that have the the more malleable your cap is, the yeah. less this is an issue, right? Like the Dodgers, they don't have anything to show for it, just a fake World Series and and now a guy who only hits, so who even cares? Yeah. Joking, kinda. But it's no accident that they are good every year because they can go do whatever they want to do. And it's right. not necessary. It doesn't mean every team can w- operate that way. But it's, yeah, they're able to do that. The NFL, the cap is much more malleable year to year. And you have seen kind of sustained runs of good, not not overarching forever greatness, but it's like the Eagles have been building things. The Chiefs have been this team. In the NBA, you're able to see teams keep it together because you can go above and beyond. This is why the NHL is just parody central. And for that, it's that is where I feel it the most. Yeah. The lack of a truly great team in, in the NHL. And yeah, it's like, of course, I just wish it was the Leafs, but I didn't even feel that way about the Golden Knights. Like, they're a... They're a very good team. They're is capable. that just the sport though as well? Because it is the most random sport that like <sighs> no, but, you know even the, the sharks can go on a, yeah. this run and like they're only like what like single digits back of a of a playoff spot in the Western Conference, right? Like they they stink, but like the the difference between great and stink in the NHL or in that sport in general is is way different than in the NFL or the NBA. Like yeah, yeah on any given night because it's a it's a weirdo sport that so much of it depends on goaltending and it's yep. on ice and rubber puck. Like it's a it's a more random sport. There is something to that, but I mean, we just don't even have the teams that feel I mean, again, just go back to that Lightning team. Like, look at all the guys that have been jettisoned, and part of it is age that they're not what they once were. But mm-hmm. you know, part of it's Alex Kalorn and Andre Palat were massive parts like yeah we're they're never going to be the frontline guys that you think of with point or kucherov or stamkos you know all the guys we hate they're never going to be thought of on that level but in tampa they'll tell you those guys mattered almost just as much and losing those pieces is what is what kills it and it's been the flat cap that's done it some of it is the nature of the sport some of it is randomness but when you go to those teams you can see the the depth that they had and and part of it was you know I go back to the to the wings and penguins and their back-to-back cup finals it's like that wings team was basically the hockey hall of fame just sitting around waiting. I mean, you had so many of those guys, you're just not able to do that. So now that the NHL is coming out of the flat cap, I do think we'll see a bit of a return to there. There's not going to be a war on to your players. That's, that's the it's, thing. It's, it's continuity, right? Yeah. And in the NBA, perhaps if you had less, you know, player discord with their team, like and, and players becoming so uh, quickly, disillusioned mm-hmm. with their situation, asking yeah. for trades. Like maybe if you just uh, yeah, you had Kevin Durant in one place for, for his entire career, you'd have a, a different story. And Giannis has been in one place in his entire career, yeah. but yeah, he's, he's struggled with coaching there on occasion and, mm-hmm. and running mates. And but right yeah. now, yeah. I mean, like in theory, Giannis and the Bucks should be what we're talking about. I mean, they've had the the longest run with uh, an elite, great, great yep. player, and only resulted. In one championship, but yeah, it's 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 even beyond though just the the accumulating of championships. It's being able to talk about narratives surrounding one team year totally. over year over year for like a ten year span. Totally. I mean, you do that a little bit. Hey, the Leafs are the Austin Matthews yep. Leafs, right? But yeah, they're it's 
and it's the 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 core four that exists in the the Toronto Maple Leafs. But yeah, it's just having a group of players together for a decade plus is is something that current day North American pro sports is lacking. No, you can't like, you don't see it. It's why the warriors are so special that they've been able to keep that together and they're paying the price for it now. Like that's the other part of this is that that is maybe the hardest thing. And this is a completely different conversation, but just talking about the warriors led me there. That is maybe the hardest thing to do in pro sports right now is to know when the exit ramp is and what's that supposed to look like Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be the team. Like if you're, you know, I know Bob Myers isn't there, but whoever's in charge and talk about the penguins. Well, that's right. You don't want to be the team that blows it up too early. We're all like, what would it look like if the penguins said, all right, it's time to go. And then Sid's still Sid and Gino's still Gino Mm -hmm. elsewhere. You'd say, Oh, why didn't you just keep that together? But with the warriors, you're seeing that now it's like they needed to, I'm not saying they needed to play on the off road better, but this or the, the off ramp better, but this is what it looks like when you hang on for, for a little bit too long. But how can you not try to hang on because it's something that we never get in this in this sport anymore again like to bring it to the chiefs you know we're going to remember Tyreek Hill as part of this but even like Patrick Mahomes is going to be there so much longer than Travis Kelsey's even going to be there. We're going to mm. think about a whole different era, and it's just going to be the Reed Mahomes yeah, Chiefs. Yeah, that has you nothing know? to do with salary that's No, just, no, that's like, just the age. Yep, and and the position he plays. Yeah, but it's but when you but the idea of those guys all coming together at the same time, like that in and of itself, getting four, three, four of those guys that are all of the same age is just so so special and being able to keep it together is borderline impossible. Yeah. I generally agree with this take that, yeah, we live in an era of unprecedented uh, parody mm-hmm. across all our North American. My understanding sports, is Novak Djokovic still wins all the tennis. Yeah, well, I, 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 would also, I would also say like, take it easy on writing the epitaph for the chiefs. Again, I'm, like they're the example. They've been to an AFC championship game in each and every one of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but seasons. you can't sit here and you like, I, I am, let me be on record for I think the 800,000th time I'm discussing this this year, that I would not be remotely surprised if the Chiefs are the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. But even if they do that, and hey, scoreboard, flags fly forever, all that stuff, you can't sit here and tell me that that Chiefs team is, or this Chiefs team is anywhere near close to the version of dominant Chiefs teams that we've seen. And yeah, was every Patriots team as good as the best possible version of it? No, but they were a lot closer together in terms of what I'm seeing. They are eight and four, eight and five, whatever they are. So what? They've nearly, like, I mean, they 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 could win out. Two thirds of their games. Yeah, they could win out. I mean, you look at that defense. Uh, with Chris Jones is what the most dominant defense they've had in this Patrick Mahomes era. They obviously the receiving core is like a joke, right? Like I get it. There is Tony and like, actually it was a headline that cracked me up that I, I saw from, I think yesterday mm-hmm. where you know, Patrick Mahomes was like, just be you. And it's like, no, no don't be you. Be, be somebody, somebody else. else. Be Julian Edelman. Can you, yeah. <laughs> Can you be not a chief? Yeah. Be a guy who catches the ball. Yeah. Don't be you. That's bad advice. Who's giving him that advice? I also can't believe they threw the lateral to Kader. Like, yeah, he lost, caught it. Lost in all I mean, of that is no. that he actually I, caught the ball. I mentioned it that I mean that's why it deserves to be on Travis Kelsey's no wonder Hall they're of so, Fame. No uh, wonder they're resume. so mad. Like he caught and, it. And he's still gonna call it back. Anyways, that team is as close to dominance as we're getting in the sport with the most parity. And you can't let's just say win. they're dominant when they've lost. I, again, four or five. I forgot what the record is. It does not matter. They've lost nearly two thirds of their games this year, Ben. Who cares? The season's not over, right? Like they're gonna make the playoffs. They still lead the division. God, they could still win the AFC. Yes, right? but it, but a team with uh, four or five losses is not, in my opinion, 
a dominant great you gotta NFL have every team. you every regular season has to be dominant because to me this is what we're talking about is is the postseason to me it's part and parcel we, what do we call them we don't call them the champion warriors we call them the 73 that win the, warriors that team didn't win a championship yes but that era did that we talk about when you look at the when you look at a team that is not the best team in its sport it's not a good team it's not the denver nuggets mm-hmm. for example I'm talking about all-time greats. I'm talking about bouncing my grandkid on my knee. I will talk about this Chiefs run for sure. But should I remember this, I'm not going to point to this year's Chiefs and say, okay, oh, they if, were just as good. What if they went out, they win their final four games and they're 12-5? and five. Is that great enough for you? Like, And then they, get, a, they win another very, Super Bowl? Like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Like, that's, that's if, it's no good? If they win out and win the Super Bowl, yeah. then we can talk about it like it's a dominant well, I mean, team. But, like, you talk as... As if that's like an you impossibility. You talk about it like it's a fate accompli. No, I would say that I'm I'm very much on alert for that possibility because I know how great they can be. And yes, they've had the same receivers this entire season. They were six and one, right? Yes. Like, yeah, no. And the only loss they had was game one of the season to a good Lions team, but without Chris Jones. Yeah, like, and then yeah. the Dolphins handed them a win over in Germany. Like we can do these, we can do this thing. I'm not saying the Chiefs are not a good team. I'm not saying they can't be the best team in the AFC. I'm not saying they can't win a Super Bowl. I'm saying that honestly, look at that team. You watch them every week and you say, yeah. oh, greatness as they squeak out wins over teams they should be smoking and lose to teams they should be beating. I don't look at that and say, that's great to me. I've said it about this team Mm. in the past. I'm sure I'll say it about them again. I'm definitely not saying it this year. I would say that that they're even still in the conversation to win the AFC. And by the way, they're going to be favored in all four of their games. And it actually would be a disappointment if they didn't win out because they got the Patriots, they got the Raiders, they got the Bengals, and they got the Chargers. Thank you, nameless texter. I'm going to throw in a little something. He's saying they're no Bulls of the 90s. They're no Patriots of the 2000s. And that's what I hold up as greatness. Not yet. Not yet. Yet, I'm saying the possibility exists. Let's just let that one play out because I would say that the overall point is a, is a correct one, that we do generally live in an era of un, uh, unbridled parody mm-hmm. across all the major North American pro sports, but that the Chiefs are the one team that I got my eye on, and if it happens yet again, and they're in an AFC championship game or, God forbid, a Super Bowl or win it, mm-hmm. Then, like at that point, we have to say that that is one of those great dynasty, yep. incredible, generational teams that we're talking about here. For sure, I'm just not going to point to a team with five losses and say what a generationally great team. Personally, God. all right, you're going to make me bring up the Patriots regular seasons of of Tom. Yeah, Ray. but like, they have the action. Like we're not talking about a mythical Super Bowl no. that could maybe kind of sort of happen. Yeah, but they. But you, it's not like. We have to let it play out, though. You can't discount the possibility. I can of look at a existing. team that's lost. I can look at a team that's lost five regular season games, mm-hmm. and the season's not even over yet, and say that team right now is not historically great. I cannot believe yeah. I'm. I Patriots ha- in 05 went ten and six. Yes, as they're brutal. They're eleven and five, ten and six again in 09. And do like- you know what the conversations we were having throughout those ten and six seasons? Mm-hmm. It was not. This is the greatest dynasty of all time. Please put some respect on their name. They're gonna go win. It wasn't that. It was, hey, maybe they can, and then they'll be great. It wasn't, we have to respect them as great. We have to have to. But now to, you're making to. a straw man, because that's not the argument I was making. I was saying, like, well, I, I was literally quite say, I, I, like, seconds ago, and now I feel mm-hmm. like I'm taking crazy pills. I said, 
Yeah, we got to let this thing play out. And the possibility exists that this is the team that we're talking about in those terms again as early as this season. I don't know. Maybe this is just semantics. I hear that and saying, well, don't you're, you're say bad defensive. things about them. Don't say bad about things the about Patriots. them. Well, you, I'm defensive about the Patriots because if I have to hear one more time in my life that this Chiefs team is just going to become the Patriots dynasty before it happens. That? Everyone is saying it. The second he won one Super Bowl, I had to hear, oh, Kenny Powers, a.k.a. Patrick Mahomes, is the next Tom Brady. Maybe. Entirely within the realm of possibility, he has that run of success. We got to stop gifting the guy five Super Bowls, okay? We got to stop doing that. I, I don't know who's doing that. I feel like it's you. It's not me, but like, again, like you're obviously not listening because I've said like multiple and times I, and on, I'm during list- this conversation and that I we got to let it play out. And I've said, stop ignoring the five losses we've seen while you're holding out the possibility that this is a generationally great it. team. I'm saying that that's going to honestly add to the story. Like if they do win the AFC and win a Super Bowl with this receiving core, considering what the record is right now, and again, they were 6-1 and one to start the season. And Patrick Mahomes' greatness allows them to overcome that. Yeah, that'll be part of the conversation. To me, that, that adds a little flavor. Nah. Nah, a little sexy flavor. All right. Time now for the Wake and Rake. Presented by Sports Interaction. Your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Leafs in action tonight. At home against the Columbus Blue Jackets oh on Sportsnet God. Ontario. At 7 o'clock. I just looked at the money. Yeah, line. that's uh, <laughs> the days of the Leafs being money line underdogs like they were at MSG, by the way. Made you some cash uh, in that game on the back end of back-to-backs in New York City. Uh, those are done. The Leafs, minus 278 favorites against the Blue Jackets, who are plus 220, the total six and a half run. Let's take that under. Plus 110, give it to me. Jackets can't score. Leafs would probably be want to button it down. I feel like that's what Sheldon Keefe is going to be preaching here. Uh, it doesn't mean Matthews can't can't still pot a couple and you still feel safe about that under. So, yeah, under 6.5, plus 110, let's go. Yeah, I can't go there. No? Considering, like I said earlier in the show, the, the Blue Jackets allowing 3.5 goals against per game and the second most shots mm-hmm. against in the NHL. Um, I'm not I'm not crazy enough to take the Blue Jackets on just the straight-up money line at plus 220, although, like, yeah, maybe. But, no, I, I think I like the, the Blue Jackets at plus one and a half on the puck line. Mm. Maybe we have yet another overtime affair for the Maple Leafs or, you know, a little nail-biter at the end. That's all they seemingly play outside of the game at MSG is one goal affair. So give me minus 105 on the Blue Jackets plus one and a half on the puck line. Uh, Oilers and Lightning on Sportsnet 1 at 9 o'clock tonight, and it's the Oilers trying to run their winning streak to nine games, and they are the favorites, minus 161 against the Lightning, who are plus 135, Brent. Yeah, Vasilevsky been struggling uh, since since coming back to this one. Uh, if you're going to like the Oilers to win, you might as well take the over. you got to pay a bit to do it. Minus 120 there. Six and a half is also the total. That's what I'm going to go with there. Uh, give me the over at six and a half. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, last uh, meeting between these two was the Lightning winning six to four in Florida. So very much like the over in that game. And then... Thursday nighter is like right out of the Thursday nighter factory. Mm-hmm. Like this is this one rolled off the assembly line at the Thursday nighter. Not uh, the great Kansas City Chiefs in this one. No, at the Thursday nighter fa- uh, factory. Uh, the the Chargers going with a human being named Easton Stick as their quarterback. My guy. 
Easton stick, not CCM bucket, uh, Easton stick. Nor Jofa, Jofa gloves. All right, uh, Chargers in Vegas taking on the Raiders, who are three-point favorites, and the total 34-and-a-half, Brent. Uh, I guess, <laughs> in general speaking, take the points on Thursdays, right? Yeah. Plus three Sight for the Chargers. on Easton stick. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I've seen Aiden O'Connell, and I'm not like, dying to do that either yeah. I, I i guess we just got to grab the points this is thursday nightery as it comes your totals 34 and a half uh, so that kind of tells you what they're expecting there now let's grab some points and hope for the best uh, no, chargers it's plus three the year of the unknown backup tommy devito Easton stick give me the chargers plus three points so we saw we saw tommy devito's agent looking yeah. exactly like he should like is a guy named Gord Easton Sticks agent. Oh, That's all I want to know. Yeah, I wearing a Canadian tuxedo. Really should be. Yeah. Get on that, somebody. Right, like right now. Do that. Yes. All right. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, our pal Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com is the fan morning show. Continues Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 the fan.